This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Can we talk about how Mercury Retrograde is ruining my life? Oh, you're a victim. Oh, are you kidding me? I am a victim and I'm pressing charges. Lock Mercury Retrograde the hell up. So I'm watching the premiere episode of Grey's Anatomy. Yes. Uh Uh-huh, I'm deep into it. I am deep into it. And guess what happens? It's getting to a good part, by the way. Okay. My entire block loses power. I lose power for about an hour and a half. And I'm also like also working on things. Uh And I'm like, okay, is it just me? You know, I live in an old apartment building. Maybe it's just me. No, I walk outside. The whole building's dark. Then I go down the stairs. I almost fall down the stairs because it's dark in the stairwell. It's very creepy in there. Um, And then everyone is outside of their apartments just kind of hanging out in the middle of the street like it's like, I don't know. Um, What's that? What's that movie that just came out from the Washington Heights? In the Heights. It was kind of like that. Everybody was outside in the midst of everything. Got it. Um, So that happened to me. Oof. You don't sound like you care. Sorry. (laughs) You don't sound like you care at all. No, I'm listening. I'm just taking it all in. This was a dramatic experience. It sounds like a lot. I was actually really worried. Ryan said he was going to share something that happened to him that was really horrible. That was horrible. It is horrible, but I was like... I still don't know the moment of who returns back to Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Thankfully, I mean, you're okay. I mean, I don't know if I'm okay. Like your health was. I don't know. In um, I have no clue. If your health wasn't threatened, your uh, I mean, your mental health might have been. So I'm putting up um, <laughs> you know, I'm putting up help. Like what? What is it called? Like I'm SOS. No, not an SOS. I'm putting up a um, I don't know. I'm putting up an ad for a new friend. <laughs> You told me to listen. Don't you want people to listen to you more? It's um, you, you finally listen to your friends, and then awful. they say, "Why aren't you speaking?" This is awful. I want you to talk more. All you said was, "Oh, oh, oh." Th- that's how oh. I felt. Oh, that that probably sucks. I mean, I was waiting for like something even worse to happen, but I guess that's pretty bad. That is pretty bad. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like that's also like in our text message, there was someone who had an error for something uh, that involved getting paid. I, that's a pretty big deal. All and of us did. You too. I wasn't online, so I didn't <laughs> see it. And so we get this text message, you know, that there's an error. Maybe something's happening. And I go, the first thing I say is Mercury retrograde. Blame it on Mercury retrograde. Even though that's no excuse. <sighs> 
So awful. I, I'm sorry you experienced that today. I do need to go to, I need to get an emergency kit. Because I, another thing was, I burn candles all the time. And my mom was like, well, just burn candles. I'm like, all my candles are at the last little bit. So it was like a small little light from them candles. Your life is getting more and more difficult by the moment. Yeah, it just is very awful. So I got to own a flashlight besides the one that's on my phone. You do. This is a good reminder. You got to get your earthquake kit. Yeah, so reminder, if you've been thinking about it, get a kit for emergencies. I'm telling you because I went through. You know what? I don't remember the last time I lost electricity. Like I, that it, it feels that like it hasn't happened. That's the first time that's ever happened. I feel like it used to happen a lot. We're very fortunate, where were, actually. Where were you living? I don't know. Happened? Like it happens. I, I don't. I can't say it. Anyway, to me a well, lot. Uh, you are here. You are safe. And your I'm friends never care about you. Anything ever again? This is the last thing. <laughs> well, uh, we've got. I, at least I thought I was going to get some type of emotional support from Prudence. No, Vanessa, Vanessa was just she smiling. She watches Grey's Anatomy. She understands my hurt. But all she has to look at, she's just looking at me like, oh. Mm. <laughs> So we got lots coming up on the show. Lizzo have had a TED Talk. So we're going to be playing some of that TED Talk in a moment, plus the history of the queer community in Hollywood. The, uh, the latest documentary will be having them on the show at 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Dozens of students walked out of a class in support of a trans student who was banned from using the girls' changing room. In an Instagram post, September 22nd, Kendall Tinoco, a Temple High School student, alleged that she couldn't use a locker room because there were actual girls in there. Oh my, that was supposed to be a yes queen. Well, someone that. put that it in here. Yes well, queen. okay. I, well, I mean, it could be an early yes queen. It's an early yes yeah, queen. She said, I've been using the females' restroom since the seventh grade. And she even had documents to show that she could use the facilities, which is sad that she even needs to have documents to prove that. When confronted by a staff member outside the school's changing room, she told her to change in a closet alongside a male. Oh, wow. According to the local news, students waved pride flags, chanted and defied teachers' orders, telling them to return to class. And Justice Brett Kavanaugh tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday. The Supreme Court announced that in a statement, he's fully vaccinated and has no symptoms. He had a routine test ahead of a ceremonial investiture today for Justice Amy Coney Barrett. As a result of the test, Kavanaugh and his wife will now not attend Barrett's investiture, which I've never said that word, but the more you know. And that was so much trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Um, well, you revealed it already. Lizzo had a TED Talk. And I'm super excited about it because guess what? It's all about twerking. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, of course, she has openly shared her life with her fans on social media over the years. And now she's opening up even further to discuss what she believes is, quote, part of the revolution for black women, twerking. Here is a little piece of her TED Talk. My ass has been the topic of conversation. My ass has been in magazines. Rihanna gave my ass a standing ovation. (laughs) Yes, my booty. My least favorite part of my body. How did this happen? Mm. Twerking. (laughs) (laughs) Through the movement of twerking, I discovered my ass is my greatest asset. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ted Twerk. I'm going to take my shoes off. Is that okay with (laughs) y'all? Black people carried the origins of this dance through our DNA, through our blood, through our bones. We made twerking the global cultural phenomenon it has become today. 
I mean, how iconic it's is it amazing, that yeah, she's, she's doing a whole TED Talk about I twerking? And it's like really, really good. It's up now. You should go watch it. Head over to WeAreTurtleQ.com to get to it. And of course, that is your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. Love it. Well, next up, California is paying people to stop using meth. But will this program work? More details next. Oof. I can't believe you said oof. To my story. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A formal addiction treatment called contingency management, which incentivize, incentivizes drug users with money or gift cards to stay off drugs, is being tested out across California and other states. But the question is, will it work? Laura Thomas is with us, who's a director of harm reduction policy at San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. So how does this actually work? Because I I know this has been successful, but there's obviously a lot of skepticism around it. Yeah, it's frustrating that there's skepticism about it because the evidence and the research base behind it is about as solid as it gets. Uh, You know, one of the main advocates says if this was a, you know, if 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 we had a pill that was this effective, it would be the standard of care everywhere. Um, Contingency management is is really effective, especially for substance use disorders where we don't have a medication. So particularly for stimulant like uh, methamphetamine and cocaine use, um, it's really been proven effective over and over again. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I guess when I first started to read the story, I almost kind of thought about, well, if you're kind of giving people who are recovering from, you know, addictions or and you're giving them funds, you're off, you're also kind of giving them a you know a start at life again. But then also other people could wor- be worried that they're just going to go back and possibly spend the money back on drugs. Is that anything that you've seen or has it been more successful than that? It's really successful. You know, it gives, it provides rewards for positive behavior changes. So when people keep showing up at support group meetings, so they keep showing up for appointments with their therapist, um, when people, uh, one of the ways that we do our program um, in the Stonewall Project at the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, we use uh, urine tests, urine tox screens. And if people have a negative urine tox screen, then their rewards can go up. So yeah. you're rewarding positive behavior. It's something that I think most parents intuitively understand, right, like positive rewards. But for people with substance use disorder, it, it goes a little deeper than that in terms of uh, helping people kind of change their reward structure from I'm going to be, I'm going to feel good if I use this drug to I'm going to get this reward of this money or this gift card and start to sort of reprioritize things in their lives. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So what are you hearing from those who are a part of this in terms of why they do it? Is it because they, they're feeling some sort of validation? They're getting that encouragement? It's all of the above. You know, I've heard from people who say, look, this enabled me to, you know, while I was in early recovery, this enabled me to keep paying my phone bill so I could stay connected to people who cared about me. Um, people saying, you know, I just sort of kept building up the reward. And then the next thing you knew, I had gone 30 days without using any math. And I was like, wow, if I can do this for a month, I can do this for longer. Um, And the way our program works, it's really about helping people identify what their goals are for themselves. So their goal may be to, you know, to only use math on the weekend, or it may be to not use it at all, or it may be to use it in 
in safer circumstances. So it's about helping people figure out what those goals are and giving them the support to reach them. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's really effective both as a, as a HIV prevention intervention, which is how our program is actually funded, as well as a substance use treatment program. I, and I, I do wonder, since obviously 2020, more Californians actually died from meth and uh, cocaine overdoses uh, than from fentanyl overdoses and other uh, stimulant abuse. Um, I guess I wonder, has that changed this year? Because I, I think I always think about how the pandemic plays into stuff like that. And we were all at home. We were all trying to navigate just a tough time. And I, I wonder, you know, has this year proven to be better when it comes to that? Yeah, you know, the last 18 months, we've all been living through it together, right? Yeah. It's been hard on everyone. And, you know, we've had to, in our programs, had to really pivot hard, like everyone else. And we couldn't do in-person groups anymore. And so trying to do stuff on the phone or by Zoom, and not everyone has access to a phone, right, or a computer. So it's been hard on everyone, I think, you know, um, especially early in the pandemic, a lot of people didn't have access to support. They were feeling a lot more stress, right? And so we're using substances more, maybe more problematically. Um, and certainly here in San Francisco, we saw overdoses, mostly fentanyl overdoses, but we saw them go up really dramatically uh, over the last year. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, it's just, it's been hard on everyone. Uh, and we're hoping that it, you know, we can continue to reach people and help people develop positive, better coping mechanisms and find some support. Um, but, yeah, it's been hard. Um, and th- will this be scaled up, by the way, across the country? Are they looking towards programs like yours to implement in other places? Yes. You know, the Veterans Administration is way ahead of us. The VA has been using this as a treatment modality for years, and they already have it in many of their facilities around the country. Um, the American Society of Addiction Medicine strongly supports contingency management and their leading advocacy with the uh, current administration to, um, to to change some of the regulations at the federal level around this too. The, the regulatory problem is that we've got regulations, that are really good regulations trying to prevent people being paid to go into treatment, especially if they don't need to be into treatment and there's like fraud and kickbacks and patient brokering, none of which is helping people get healthier, right? But the problem is that says you can only give people rewards up to $75 a year. Mm. And our program, any of these contingency management programs aren't effective at, at that rate. So yeah. we've got we've to gotta change that and say, these aren't, this isn't kickback, this isn't fraud, this isn't evidence-based treatment. And mm-hmm. so that's what SB 110, Senator Weiner's bill that's currently on the governor's desk, that's what it would do. It would say, this is not fraud. This is an evidence-based treatment. And we want Medi-Cal to move forward and do it. And so we're also hoping that other states mm-hmm. will step forward and start expanding these um, treatment modalities, too. Okay. Well, um, great work. Everything you're saying makes sense. That was Laura Thomas, Director of Harm Reduction Policy at San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Thank you for covering this. And next up, the truth about pregnant women and the vaccine. We break it all down after this.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky said yesterday that COVID-19 deaths among pregnant women reached a record high of 21 in August. And they're urging expectant mothers to get vaccinated against the virus. Uh, Dr. Shirsty Agard is with us right now. Professor of Obstetric... Oh my God, I can't take to say this. Obstetrics. Yeah. Like an obstetrician. Yeah. Holy mother. And I'm about to freeze it's my Friday. eggs. Friday. And gynecology. Okay, you can say that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> At Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, entirely my pleasure. And obstetrics is a mouthful. That is, I appreciate that. That is for sure. High-risk pregnancy work. Oh, I mean, I guess I, that's going to be like me, like a geriatric pregnancy. So can you break down some of these misconceptions when it comes to pregnant women getting the vaccine? Why is, every, why is everyone so scared? You know, this is just one of those great examples of where kind of urban legends are hard to correct. So this this saga, before I can tell you that story, I should probably tell you this story. And this story is way back when the pandemic started, the early reports out of China said, hey, don't worry about it. Pregnant women, they don't do so bad with COVID. Well, we were the first ones in, in the world that reported pregnant women are dying of COVID. And in fact, it would have surprised us if pregnant women weren't disproportionately at risk of severe disease and death, because if we look at every respiratory virus that's caused a pandemic over the last hundred years, pregnant women always do worse. So that's the first part of this story. We now can tie numbers to that. And the numbers are pregnant women are about two and a half fold more likely to require life-saving measures like cardiac bypass. They're two times more likely to have increased risk of death compared to symptomatic non-pregnant women or somewhere around a 70% higher risk. So we know that all other things being equal, pregnant women 
do worse when they get sick with COVID. That's the first part of the story. Definitely. Um, and that is something that needs to continue to be put out there. But then there's also all these, uh, you know, I would say misinformation about miscarriages right. and also this idea that it gets passed on to the child. And because we don't know what the vaccine is like in babies of that age, you know, we don't feel comfortable. Can you get into that or debunk those things? Yeah. So that's urban legend number two. So urban legend number two is golly gee whiz. You know, we couldn't possibly vaccinate a pregnant woman without knowing, you know, what would happen unique in pregnant women from non-pregnant women with a vaccine, which is just nuts. The, the immune system of a pregnant woman is uniquely adapted to tolerate her pregnancy while still fighting off infections. And so there's no reason whatsoever that giving a vaccine to a pregnant woman as not as long as it's not a live version of the virus will cause her any harm nor her fetus any harm. It doesn't. It's never happened before. It's not going to happen. And this is the new generation of vaccine safety. So there's just no biologic plausibility whatsoever that that would ever occur. In fact, the contrary is too. We get a twofer when we give a pregnant woman a vaccine. And in fact, we give pregnant women vaccines all the time for that reason. We not only enable her to be protected against a virus that she's disproportionately susceptible to, but we prepare her baby to be born into the world that contains that same virus. And so when we give a COVID vaccine to a mom, we are preparing her baby to be born into a COVID world because she will transfer those antibodies to the baby across the placenta so it is protected. That's good. That's what we want. So real quick, I just want to kind of insert really quickly. Since we're a queer radio station, I want to make sure we're being as inclusive as possible. You don't have Thank to you. be, you know, identify as a, you know, it's anyone that can has a womb and can, you know, do the whole baby thing. Absolutely. You are correct. I should say <laughs> pregnant person. Exactly. And please forgive me. No, no, no. You're totally fine. No, I just, I just we, like we to, you know, we, like, we do that. So, That's our job. I, and yeah, we're wrapping things up. But yeah, I think that, that the passing on is the thing that they're also worried about, even though you're saying that it's good for them to have the, the baby to have antibodies when um, they so that when they come into this world. But because we don't know the implications of that on babies yet, is that an issue? No, we know that's good. Okay. We know that transferring antibodies to a baby is good. We want those antibodies to go to the baby because that is what will prevent that baby from getting a severe infection. Okay. When it gets exposed to the virus after it's born, that's a best case scenario. And in fact, we do that all the time. When we give a pregnant person a pertussis vaccine, a whooping cough vaccine, we're doing it to protect that pregnant person's unborn baby so that when they come into the world, they don't get severe whooping cough. Fascinating. Well, we, we have to wrap things up, but thank you so much for breaking that all down. Get the vaccine, yes, people. that was Dr. Shristi Agard, professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Baylor <laughs> College of Medicine in Texas Children's Hospital. We appreciate it. You're welcome, and thank you so much for having me on and spreading the word. It was so great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, next up, a TikToker revealed 
You too. Uh, why she can't buy a house, and it's because of something that we all tend to do and don't think about. You'll want to hear more about the story next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. This TikToker revealed why she can't buy a house, and it's something actually that a lot of us might do or get coerced into doing when we're checking out at any sort of store that has credit cards. Uh, do we have the clip? No. no, we don't have the clip. You knew we didn't I know, have I the clip. I we literally play. I talked about play, it. But, all right, so basically, <laughs> we about it's gotten millions of views, and it resonates for a lot of people. So she said, basically, she was at a Home Depot. She felt bad for the uh, person at the cash register who was very nice, was pushing and encouraging her to get a credit card. And so she got a credit card, forgot about it. So that's her fault because she let somebody guilt her she into bought, making a huge credit change wait, to herself. Wait, so she bought like a can of paint for like $7. So she she, uh, she forgot so about it. That was so dumb. She's applying for a mortgage to buy a house. And lo and behold, what pops up? The Home Depot credit card that she completely, yeah, just forgot about. And so she now, on this TikTok, she's crying tearing up saying how she's not going to be able to buy a house or get a mortgage because of $7 spent that she would have obviously paid off if she knew about it. But this is something that happens to a lot of people. One, don't give in to getting those credit cards. How many credit cards do you really need? It's the way that I kind of don't feel bad for her because... I, here's the thing. I agree that the system, when it comes to your credit score and the credit system needs to be reformed and it needs to be a better way of doing things because oftentimes people aren't told about credit are told about how that all works and so a lot of times they either don't have any credit or they're just kind of out there just like figuring it out once it's too late and my thing is when you go to these places like a Marshalls or a Target or anywhere and they're trying to get you to sign up for a credit card you got to really think about that like you can't like you can't let them guilt you into it because I worked in retail. You know how many Old Navy credit cards I had to sell at that cashier? And you have to do a certain amount a day? Like, that's a part of their job. So if you get guilted by every damn body that is just trying to push you to do it, girl, you're going to be living out on the street because you're going to be owing so much debt you ain't going to be able to afford anything. So that was really just dumb on her part. I don't know if I really feel bad for her. And then also, if you couldn't have paid just $7 out of your account, maybe you shouldn't have been buying that paint. Well, obviously she could pay it. She just forgot. Obviously about it. she could. So here's the thing: is uh, financial like responsibility. Yeah, you, you unfortunately you learn tough lessons about financial responsibility in moments like this. Yeah, and it's always me. in that I'm moment when you're like about to make a life changing purpose. You think you're all it's all figured out, and then yeah, it hits you hard. I've had some tough lessons in terms of my own bills. Let me tell you, like something comes in the mail. Oh, yeah, you put off looking at your mail. Ends up being a bill for your car insurance. You don't pay that that car insurance because you think it's an automatic payment. And then you get into a car accident. Yeah, that happened to me. That was a $150 mistake that ended up costing me like $20,000. That was stupid. It was okay. stupid. It, it was, and but I it was learned also your my fault. Lesson. No, I learned my lesson because <laughs> I, I, I think that... I don't know what we're trying to say here. I, I think that it's unfortunate that we learn these lessons in, t- in tough times. And yeah, you wish that we didn't have to have something like this happen for us to learn that. 
It means to pay attention to your life that's going on around you. You can't let little things. And I've learned that the hard no, way. Like I've literally learned the cracks all, of your life. No, but that's the thing that you have. That that's the lesson that you're supposed to be taught. Is like if you let little things go aside or go awry, then it could really have big consequences. Oh, yeah. Like that's a huge thing. And I've had to learn that the hard way. Like I've I've had to like you know rebuild and all these things because I made stupid mistakes as you know as a young person who who actually had the resources and. and and knew about a lot of the stuff I still was doing it. Me too. And so my thing is, it's just, you have to, you have to either get yourself together when you make these uh, decisions and mistakes and then don't do them again. Got to learn from them. But also take a responsibility. That's it. Take accountability for it because you did it. Things need to change. Obviously, we know the systems need to change. If someone shows that they've paid off all their bills, they have the money to do something, they have a good history of payments, let someone have a mortgage. Like, let someone open up an account for something. Like, what the hell? Really? That's the dumbest ass ever. Are you going through something that you want yeah. to tell everyone about? Yeah. No, I, I let it go. It's fine. I've purged right here on the show. Uh, let I'm us know what you think. At LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Slide into our DMs. But next up, we've got what's trending this hour. California will become the first state to track the violent deaths of LGBTQ people. We'll tell you more uh, next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying some great Friday music here on Channel Q. Get moving and grooving into the weekends. But we've got more show for you. Why people are freaking out about Honey Boo Boo's relationship. She's all grown up. That's in the tea report in a moment. And speaking of which, how to tell if your insecurities are a sign of relationship anxiety. Ooh, that's going to be a juicy convo in 30 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. In a historic move, the state of California will be the first to pilot a program that will record sexual orientation and gender identity demographics of victims of violent deaths. Advocates say that the three-year pilot program will fill a critical gap in the state's understanding of violent crime victimization, as well as allow for policymakers to design legislation that targets the unique needs of LGBTQ Californians. And speaking of California, Governor Gavin Newsom announced the first K-12 vaccine mandate in the nation, requiring students to get vaccinated against COVID in order to attend in-person classes. Why we recognize our responsibility to do more, and that's what we are announcing here today, a statewide requirement for in-person instruction for all of our children to add to a well-established list that currently includes 10 vaccinations and well-established rules and regulations that have been advanced by the legislature for decades to add to that list the vaccination uh, for COVID-19. We intend to do that once the FDA has fully approved the vaccine, which will give us time to work with districts, give us time to work with parents. And finally, as part of USPS Chief Lewis Joy's 10-year cost-cutting plan, the USPS is implementing new standards of service starting today, October 1st. This means that mail delivery to many parts of the country will be slower than it was before October 1st. Customers will also see price increases for the holidays and post office hours will be cut. Wow. We're really evolving as a society. I feel like we're regressing. <laughs> what's what's going on? All right, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh my God, Honey Boo Boo's all grown up, mm-hmm. right? And um, she's unfortunately dating a really adult guy. His 
<laughs> There's an age gap. Let's just say that. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, so, yeah, she made things Instagram official this week with her boyfriend of almost six a month, Draylen Carswell. He is 20 and she is 16. Okay. There you have it. That's weird. Right? Yeah. We feel that's weird, right? Yeah. I think that's weird. I, I just think it's weird because... What do they have in common? He's a grown man. In the photo, they're like sitting side by side at a pumpkin patch. I guess they're in the Halloween spirit fall festival moment. No, it's not cute. It's absolutely disgusting. I just, I don't know. He's a 20-year-old college student who lives in Georgia near He's in college? Yeah. Um, Yeah, he's in college. So isn't that illegal? No, actually, the legal legal age of consent is 16 in Georgia. Um, apparently, according to a source, they said Jerry Lynn and Alana are attached at the hip and hang out together all the time. He was quiet at first, but he's like one of the family now. He's just as fun and crazy as the rest of them. Of course. Well, clearly, he's dating a 16-year-old. Like, you're in college. Like, go date someone your age. That's just really weird. Like, I feel... Let me let me be honest. Yeah. When I was 16, or even when I was 14, 15, we, all my friends, we were dating, we were looking for the older guys. That's so okay. I get it. Yep. Like, I understand... But like now in retrospect, girl, no, that's grooming yeah, and predatory. Weird, yeah. <laughs> it's like Agreed. A, it's, it's a always, little it's, weird. It's always interesting because then when you're older and it's quote unquote more normal to date older, right? At 25 with a 30 year old, like it's a different time. And then you think, I always think, okay, well, though I was this age when you were that age, and then it gets weird. Yeah, it's it's very like strange. I was 15 and you were 10. Yeah, you know, like when you think about it, like that age gap. So, you know, as you get older, it gets more normal. I don't know if I ever, that's ever happened. No, to me. but meaning if you're 25. You were just able a, to really throw out those numbers. If you're 25 and dating a 30 year old, sometimes I think in my head, oh, when I was 10, you were 15, and then it gets weird. Oh, well, why would you think that way? Because th- my mind goes and I start thinking that way. Because, like, I think about even people. I don't want you people, to think that way. Well, no, but. I think about people who have 20-year age gaps, and you think, like, they were 20 when well, this person a, was if born. If older, like, my thing is, it's different from a 40-something-year person dating a 60-year-old person. Like, if that's what y'all want to do, yeah, he's totally, old, well, she's old, like, it's, whatever. It's legal and normal, but I, this is weird. sometimes I do, I, Producer Vanessa, does that ever happen to you when you're like, she, She's you not are, in this. Producer Vanessa's not in this. She's not behind the mic. <laughs> so, we, you're talking to me. Ryan. Yes. So you never think about, like, even with normal age gaps, age gaps that are big when people are older like oh if you think about it when you bring it back you were 20 like this person was really old when that person was born that's weird that takes a level of fast math that i don't think i'm capable of (laughs) (laughs) i don't work i don't work in mathematicians or anything that math people do it's always when i when i when i get into the numbers it can be strange but don't go there. I don't know. It is a little weird. Um, either way, she has... You remember she did do... She was on the cover of Teen Vogue not too long ago. I'm going to wrap this up real quick. She she uh, basically admitted that she doesn't really have that many friends because she doesn't know who she can trust and that her current circle doesn't extend beyond her current boyfriend. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just... I'm a little worried that her mom is not around because her mom is going through her own thing. So it's, mm. it's just really sad. I just don't want her to be... Taken advantage of, and also, I don't want this guy dating a 16-year-old. Like, he needs a reality check. Go date someone your own age, bro. He likes the fame. From what? Honey Boo Boo? (laughs) You know, just Just because I'm covering her here on the T-Report doesn't mean she's famous. (laughs) Oh, it depends on what circles you talk to, I guess. It's better over here. 
After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Many of us have been there. Our partners take a bit longer to text back. Maybe they're hanging out with someone and you get worried that they like them, not you anymore. Some of your insecurities could be the sign, guess what, of relationship anxiety. And here to share more is Susan Zinn, a licensed psychotherapist, best-selling co-author and trauma specialist. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Real quick, before we get into this, do you have to like go through trauma to be a trauma specialist? <laughs> I wonder if that's the case. Uh, but yes, I probably, uh, I've probably been through a few things, to say the least. Um, that, 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 that's why I became a, a specialist. But um, 9-11 was... Yeah, the set off for me really oh, wanting wow. to work in this work. Um, and that sort of started me on the journey of that uh, 20 years ago, which is actually crazy to believe. But um, so, uh, but I just became really fascinated by not only people wanting to, to heal, but also about really surviving and thriving and then really getting to live a joyful life, no matter what we've gone through in our lives. And I hate to say it, but after the pandemic, everyone in this entire planet has experienced a traumatic situation so uh we are not alone and um it's really important for people to realize that there could be another side of it too yeah that's uh that's very beautiful to share thank you so much thanks there you go (laughs) um so uh, relationship anxiety comes up um does it create insecurities or do you already have insecurities and they create relationship anxiety I think that's such a great question. And this is such an important topic and it's something that I don't think people talk about enough they sort of just pathologize someone's behavior or think that they're crazy or what's going on. And and really it's super common for us all to feel that we worry about acceptance and reciprocal feelings, especially early on in relationships. But when it becomes relationship anxiety is really when those anxious thoughts grow into excessive fear and worry and they creep into someone's daily life. So that would look like um, self-sabotaging behavior or even ending relationships out of constant worry and insecurity and doubt if the relationship is even going well. So it's, it's something that I think for people, it's really important to talk about early on if they're starting to feel these excessive worries and see if there's a way to kind of mitigate it, especially when they're in a healthy relationship. Where does that start? Like, because I, I feel like if you are like with and just having kind of like an if you already deal with anxiety, is that where that can kind of slide into your just relationships? Like, how can you pinpoint that being like, where did that start for myself? 
Well, I think that there's a couple really key points of that. And you did bring up trauma in the beginning. And so people that have had trauma and previous relationships where they've been cheated on or there's been abuse or manipulation, oftentimes that can sort of be kind of that tipping point of worrying if the same thing is going to happen or if it, there was an unexpected ending of a relationship that they weren't really expecting. So that therefore going forward in future relationships, they're really concerned about that. But the real main issue that I hate to always kind of point back to is really kind of going back from our childhood and looking at our attachment style with our parents. So if we didn't feel that we had enough love or it felt secure and we sort of developed these sort of anxious attachment styles as they they sort of discuss, then that can kind of really start sort of all of our relationships of worry and concern, whether or not we're going to be abandoned or we're going to be hurt or whether or not we're going to be loved if we are truly ourselves and we're authentic. Hmm. Well, what should folks do about it if they find themselves falling into this pattern? I think the really most important thing is just to, first of all, start to really notice the pattern that if you're having a problem to having secure attachments with people or you just feel like there's always this sort of excessive worry is to really start to have an open conversation. Clearly, I'm an advocate for mental health support and getting uh, getting treatment if you need it. And what we really find from research is that early on having intervention that the success rate of someone who has has anxiety or has relationship anxiety, even after one session can really help to normalize what's going on and really help to give them the tools to actually start to really decrease those behaviors that they're exhibiting in their relationship, not only for them, but also for their partner. Yeah. So that clearly is always the first thing that I'm going to say is like, we've got to take away the stigma about getting mental health support because it can change people's lives in the relationships. Yeah. But there's other things too, like really starting to think about um, self-love and working on your own self and creating your own self-identity. So, and that is really about, even small things like doing meditation practices that focus around sort of heart-focused breathing, where you're really focusing on your inner feelings and emotions and focusing on yourself and giving yourself that love can oftentimes calm that down, that you are making yourself a priority, which which can turn into kind of making a healthy relationship. And, you know, there's and then finally, really just good communication is super important with yeah. your partner. Susan, we want to have you stick around for us because I want to talk about what the other person can do if they're on the receiving end of this anxiety, because I do think it's, um, you know, it's about both people coming into it in a relationship and working together. So we're going to get back with you after this to talk about insecurities and relationship anxiety. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back with Susan Zinn, a licensed psychotherapist, best-selling co-author, trauma specialist, as we talk about relationship anxiety. Uh, Susan, before the break, we talked about, if you feel this way, what you can do about it, which which involved therapy, support, mental health um, support from professionals, as well as like working on your self-love and mindfulness. But what if you're on the receiving end of this and you're with someone who has experienced this? What, what can you do to be a better partner? I think it's such a great question and something that people don't really talk about. They always talk about the person that's experiencing the issues and that's who needs to get the support and help. But I think as a partner, it's really about communicating with your partner what their needs are. And so if there are certain things that can help mitigate that anxiety for them within the relationship, just to reinforce that, because when their nervous system gets triggered and 
they're not really thinking clearly all the time about mm-hmm. the skills and tools they need to use. So if your partner is actually a lot calmer, then they can kind of remind you, hey, babe, you know what? When you go to take a walk, this really sort of this helps you a lot to calm down or I told you this morning that I love you. I don't need to reinforce that. What's going on that actually this feeling is coming up. So really kind of reinforcing that communication and working together as a team is going to be super important to really establish more of a secure attachment between the couple and also not allow the partner to feel such a responsibility for someone else's anxiety and to calm them down so the person can really begin to develop their own skills needed to learn how to self-soothe. Yeah, because when is it time to break up with them? Because for me, if it's like become like if you bring it up and you give a lot of grace and space and it keeps happening and it's just one of those things where it's it's becoming unhealthy for you as someone who's trying to be a better partner and it just starts to borderline into toxic territory territory. When do you know when it's like, okay, maybe this just isn't working out and we need to kind of go separate ways? I think that's a, such an important question. I think if you've exhausted therapy, if this is a person you love and you want to be in a committed relationship and you've gone through all of those and the person is just not progressing, they just may not love themselves enough and be capable of being in a healthy relationship at this time. And it doesn't mean that you can't revisit that at a later point, but it may be time to kind of take some space and allow them to do the work that they need to do before you even think about returning to the relationship or moving on. Well, great advice. Thank you so much for that. Uh, that was Susan Zinn, a licensed psychotherapist, bestselling co-author, trauma specialist. Thank you so much. Hope to have you back. Thank you so much. I love speaking to you all and I hope yes, you have a great day. you too. Important stuff right there. Now coming up, a union dispute that's threatening to shut down Hollywood. We'll tell you what's happening next on What's Trending This Hour. Thank you. Oh. She has to hear. No. Our mics have to be turned no, up so she can no, hear. No, well, I turn it up. Hello, <laughs> Susan. <laughs> the keys. She hears us. Oh, hidden. Just, I'm so cool. Just, just, just <laughs> thank you so much, Susan. You're so wonderful. I'm gonna say okay, it's great. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Thanks for hanging out with us on this lovely Friday, and we have more music coming for you right here on Channel Q. But first, lots coming up on the show. The filmmaker behind the new documentary, L.A. A Queer History, joins us in 15 minutes. Cool. Yes. Uh, excited to find out more about that. Plus, the latest Kylie Jenner product. I'm, I'm assuming she thinks she's going to make a ton of money off this one, but why it's not working in the T-Report in a moment. Well, no one said it wasn't working. It seems like it's getting a lot of bad I, reviews. Well, I know the team. Why would you reveal my team report that way? It's not working. I don't know what it is. There's a lot you to spill. You already said about the reviews. I didn't say what the product was, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> First, let's get into someone's trending this hour. No. Oh, God. I wish we were on TV sometimes doing this. <laughs> I, like I could just see it cutting to people watching us just like eating and like confused. <laughs> Anyway, all right. National School Boards Association President Viola Garcia spoke to CNN today about angry mobs threatening violence over masks and vaccines. We need support. Uh, We need uh, reinforcement uh, of the sort that uh, the community can give us. Uh, But more importantly, uh, these are real threats uh, and they're occurring with greater frequency. So uh, we uh, our letter to the White House Uh, really is indicative of uh, the seriousness uh, of the situation for school board members, but more especially 
for students uh, in our public schools. Now, speaking of teachers, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor denied a request from a group of New York City teachers to block the city's vaccine mandate for public school employees. In August, New York City officials issued an order requiring Department of Education staff who work in person in a school setting or building to submit proof of at least one dose of vaccination of COVID-19. The lawyers argued that instead of allowing teachers the opportunity to opt out of the vaccine mandate through weekly testing, the city's mandate forces unvaccinated public school employees to go on unpaid leave for nearly a year. And the federal district court had declined to block the mandate, holding that it, quote, represents a rational policy decision surrounding how to best protect children during a global pandemic. So that was a pretty big loss for those New York City teachers today. And finally, some news coming out of Hollywood. The Workers Union, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, also known as IATSE. Which I want to do a deeper vo- a dive on. It's uh, I, I'd say or something like that. It's like actually you sp- say it how okay, you don't yeah. actually like it's Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I'd um, see. We, yeah, we yeah. actually have to do a, a conversation about it and get the union on to talk about it. Yeah, that would be great. Well, they have been unable to reach a new three-year agreement with the trade group representing the studios, the Alliance of Motion Picture and TV Producers, AMPTP. And as that continues, the union is holding a strike authorization vote starting today among 60,000 members who work for major studios like Warner Brothers, Disney, Netflix, Amazon, and others. So... Basically, if 75% of the ballots come back in favor of a strike, it would give the union's leadership the green light to declare a complete work stoppage at any time if they aren't making progress at the negotiating table. So a strike like this would be the largest in the U.S. private sector since General Motors workers walked off the job in 2007. And it wouldn't just impact L.A., but film and TV hubs like Atlanta, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I mean, Canada, I'm seeing a lot of articles coming out how could impact the industry in Canada. So it could be pretty huge and These devastating. people are just asking for livable wages. They make a dollar over the minimum wage. That, yes. And it's absolutely disgusting. Some of the stories, there's an Instagram account, IA underscore stories, of just reposts of people, uh, anonymous posts of people's experiences working in this industry. Some people, you know, had dealt with like family issues deaths some that weren't eating some weren't able to sleep like it's just they awful got the into, stories that you're yeah you, you read and hear and, and so i i stand with them all the way uh, yeah one of the ones i i've heard that's been and there's probably many of these live like just such a lack of sleep that there's like car accidents right they're almost mm-hmm. killing themselves so yeah it's really unfortunate hopefully something is done and this really shifts uh, how we treat people in the industry and not just the talent or the executive producers you know everyone's part of that that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. Well, Sheer already gave up, you know, gave away the the meat juice of my whole thing. No, 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 no. Specifically. No, 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 Well, Kylie Jenner has a new uh, line out. It's bathing suits. Oh. And, yeah. Really? It's not going that well. It's called Kylie Swim. It's time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And, yeah, so she just re- launched a, a new brand, Kylie Swim, where, of course, it's called Kylie Swim, though. And it's really cute. Cute stuff, you know? And but people on TikTok are actually complaining, saying that it's like a lack of like it's just not good quality. And also, my thing is, I think people see what Kylie's body is and they think that bathing suit's gonna look exactly like that on them. 
And all bathing suits kind of come in different body shapes and different, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to look like Kylie Jenner because you think you see her in the bathing suit and you think it looks good. Like sometimes you got to be smart about kind of what you do. And so there's a TikTok that went viral of this girl showing like, you know, the inseams kind of, you know, being torn. It's badly made. It yeah, seems. it just looks badly made, um, which it just launched. I think there's a couple bad things that happened in the first launch of it all. Um, because I remember that mm-hmm. happened with Kylie Cosmetics with a lot of people saying the formula smelled and it wasn't good. Look at it now. It made her and, a billionaire. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. This is just critical feedback. Constructive yeah, there you feedback. go. Oh, wow. These are like very small little teeny weeny. Yeah. She basically, one the girl that went viral on TikTok was like, yeah, you can only like wear this to take photos by the pool. You can't like actually like hang out by oh, the pool. Oh, no. Because your whole, you know. Thing is going to show. Genitalia. Yeah. Exactly. Will come out. So, yeah. Seems like it. I mean, either way, she also launched another brand called Kylie Baby. She's launching brands left and right. I mean, it kind of works. It's kind of genius. I'm like here for, I, you know, I normally don't support billionaires, but it's just so smart. It's kind of like all her brand ideas make sense. Mm-hmm. They really do. So yep. yeah, that's your tea report. Well, next up, the history of how the LGBTQ community helped shape Hollywood as we know it. The filmmaker behind the new documentary joins us for that next. Yeah. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. LA, A Queer History is a new documentary. It's being featured at Highland Park Independent Film Festival. You could check it out over the weekend. But we're bringing you a little tease of it right now with the filmmaker. But first, here's a clip. The perfect place for people to come and reinvent themselves. Because there was so much problem. It was a frontier town. The perfect place for people to come and reinvent themselves. Because there was so much privacy, Hollywood very easily became a gay mecca. The industry in Hollywood attracted gays and lesbians because gays and lesbians have always tended to be artistic. What Hollywood was looking for was sophistication. And, well, wouldn't you know it, the smartest and most sophisticated people were gay. The cruising scene was fabulous in Los Angeles. There was Pershing Square or Griffith Park. We had Joni Presents. We had And now director creator of LA A Queer History joins us right now, Gregorio Davila. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, congrats on this. Um, it was great. I loved watching that. And it's interesting because when we talk about LGBTQ history, we talk about obviously about Stonewall, New York, San Francisco a lot. How does Los Angeles play into all of this? Well, Los Angeles has been doing the work for decades before Stonewall uh, even happened. You know, um, with many things like, well, as you saw in the clip, you know, there was... LGBT people created Hollywood in the early days, still do. Um, there was, we had the first long-standing gay rights organization in 1950 with Harry Hayes and the Imagine Society, uh, the first open the gay magazine, first gay pride parade, you know, it goes on and on. Yeah, and so I guess when it comes to documentaries, I, it, it's one of those things where, like we said, L.A. is often left out of the conversation. So what do you want viewers to get from this? Uh, what's the message that you want for them to get from this when they're watching your documentary? Well, definitely that. Uh, just to put Los, Los Angeles on the LGBT map, um, to know that there were people, very important people, doing the work long before Stonewall happened. And um, 
just to know that uh, also that, um, you know, all these people that were doing the work and all these events that happened in the movie uh, showcase LGBT people as a very important role in making the making of the city and of the country. It's an American story like any other American story that's out there. Definitely. And why was this something that you wanted to tell? Um, I don't know. I've always liked stories of kind of like uh, the underdogs and, you know, the stories that aren't told very often. And, um, you know, Los Angeles is definitely that and all the people that participated in it throughout the years. And I had just read an article around 2012 about the Black Cat riots and the subsequent um, protest that happened, which was the first uh, LGBT protest, organized LGBT protest, protest against police brutality uh, that ever happened. And um, it just fascinated me, and I kind of went down this rabbit hole, and then the idea of this movie just came came to me. You know, a lot of times when I, I, I watch a lot of queer documentaries, um, I mean, a ton, and sometimes I feel like a, what we, what is often missed out of a lot of documentaries is intersectionality and a, a lot of like how queer, you know, people of color were a part of these movements. I was wondering, were you, did you find that also in the L.A. version of that queer history? Well, yes, and the fact that it was, it was very, it was left out. I mean, unfortunately, the history that we have is very whitewashed, and that goes with, you know, all the history, not just LGBT history. Um, but, yeah, there there just isn't the stories out there, and um, we, I, we made it a point to find those stories if they were available and tell them, but the most important thing that we wanted to do was tell the history as it, as it existed in truth. And, unfortunately, we did not find a lot of those trans... Um, a lot of um, people of color stories, you know, way back in the 40s, 50s, and even into the 60s. I, when I interviewed some people of color, uh, they most of them just asked them if they were doing LGBT work back in the 50s, 60s, and they most of them just said, you know, I was having a hard enough time being black. I couldn't, or, or you know, uh, or whatever. I didn't, I, I couldn't even deal with that. I didn't start until the LGBT community until the 70s. So unfortunately, as much as we wanted to tell these stories, and we did as 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 much as they came around, it just the the history just isn't there. Hmm. Now you uh, got Steve Buscemi and Rosario Dawson to narrate this. Um, was that also a way just to get the word out? You got these celebrities to be part of this, and how are they part of this this story, or why is this important to them? They obviously had to have something to do with the community in some way. Well, we had some producers and friends that were on board had doing helping us out, and um, they had they knew them. Uh, one of our producers is actually uh, a family member of Asario, and that's actually how we we got her and we reached out to her and we showed it to her, and she was really excited about it. And um, same with um, Steve Buscemi, and he was in town in L.A. and um, they both just. Um, kind of donated their time to to the film. Okay. Graciously. Yeah. Well, what's next for LA A Queer History? Obviously, you are screening at the Highland Park Independent Film Festival, but what comes after that? Well, we actually are trying to... Um, because the first cut I did of this film, as you can imagine, is a long history. 
And the first cut I did of this film was about five hours. And now I cutting it down to a feature film length was very difficult. I didn't cut a lot out. Um, so we're actually in the works of trying to make it a docu-series. Okay. And in the doc, yeah, in the docu-series, we can expand more in, you know, because the three producers of this film, we're all three queer Latinos. Um, and so it was very important for us to tell these, as you were speaking earlier, about these um, marginalized communities. Um, but, you know, a lot of those stories just aren't, aren't around. But uh, it, would, it would allow us to expand these stories uh, when we do a docuseries because a lot with the uh, Latino LGBT rights uh, that came up in the 70s and the black uh, organizations that came up in the 70s and the 80s as well Beautiful. that we can't expand upon as, every, as much as on the film. Definitely. Well, congratulations for this, and uh, hopefully folks could check it out. Obviously, if you're, you're in Los Angeles, it is screening on October 2nd, 5 p.m. at Highland Theater and Highland Park as part of the Independent Film Festival, and also hopefully online streaming very soon, L.A. A Queer History. Uh, that was director and creator Gregorio Davila. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Now coming up, how to use magic to find love. Ooh, are you ready for this? I am. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back and we're talking about love and how one person shared on this morning show how they found love through magic. Here's what she had to share a little bit about her story. This was not my idea, by the way. I, I, I want to talk about this. Candle. I remember it was a red candle and I carved hearts in it because it helps to put symbols and things. And I literally let the candle burn all the way down overnight. And that's the same thing. You're, you're releasing it to the universe and you're saying, right, this is what I want. I'm anchoring it in with this positive visualization. And I let it go. And then you let it go. You let it go in so your Hang cup. on. Is that magic or is that positive reinforcement? Well, it's the same thing. It's one in the same. Right, okay. It's one in the same, really. I mean, it's, it's positive thinking. You, you work with your imagination. You work with your emotions with any of this. And that is the doorway into the beyond. Okay, so she's basically talking about the power, oh, hello, of manifestation. And I do love how they feature this on the morning show. This is like, you know, we are evolving as a society when you start talking about like manifestation on morning shows in this way where they had this person just talking about how she uh, found love. And by the way, the guest on the, uh, or the host of the show, the woman's like, you could see is kind of more into it. The guy's just sitting there like kind of. Looking at her skept- in a well, skeptical way. We have something in common because it's that's the same <laughs> dynamic here. All right, you know what I say to you, Ryan, is that I feel like when you get to a point where you're like, you know, I'm really ready, I really want to do this, and if you're not finding it, I feel like you would go to the length of possibly doing something. And that like means this. you don't know me at all. I don't know. I feel like you would get to well, a point where Vanessa. where maybe someone invites you to a party and you there's they're doing this ritual and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna I'm do this to find love." Where there's a damn ritual happening. <laughs> Are you You've done me? it. You've gone to sound baths. You yeah, are into crystals now. It is some sort of ritual. Yeah. yeah, y'all want conjuring up no spears. Not that I was aware of. I sh- I wish there was but this a isn't, This to isn't that, conjuring. I didn't know that. Now I'm finding out things. <laughs> this isn't conjuring spirits though. It's putting what you want out there into the universe and saying like, okay, then why don't you I'm just write that in up. your journal? Or something. Well, this was another way of doing it. It just has a bit more of like a ritualistic this and energy I'm to sorry. it. I'm sorry. This this feels what what produced Vanessa. So in the Latino culture slash 
more oh. like the Mexican culture. Okay. Because this is what Ashley, Ashley and I wanted to do this, but I didn't do it. I was like, no. If this person wants me, it wants me because it, they want me. Anyways, she was like, we need to get pink candles and light them mm-hmm. and just tell the pink candle the person that you want so oh they want God. it. And I was really considering this pink candle but then i was like you know what he doesn't want me why what? am i gonna pretend what in the sandra bullock <laughs> and nicole kidman practical magic movie are we talking about so right here's now? the thing i <laughs> i just don't understand i don't here's the thing i do believe in the sages in the in the the cleansing the air and okay. i do got the crystals um that i will yeah i have the crystals and stuff like that but when it comes to this and, and talking about magic like i don't I'm not doing that. It's stepping into different territory. Here's the thing is, I do believe... Because all that comes with a cost. You said it. So this is... I know, I said <laughs> This it. is it. I, I think that I believe if you have a vision of what you want, that I love things like this in terms of <laughs> figuring out ways to attract that energetically. I think that it starts getting weird when you start messing with someone else. Like, I have this person I'm thinking of, or your ex, and I want them back. So I'm going to put some sort of spell on them. That's when it gets weird because now you're just controlling and you're possibly being a stalker, right? Like, it gets into that territory. You're not, like, manifesting anything. You're just being a control freak, I was enjoying our, our background music there. I, you know, some things just aren't able to work sometimes. Um, no, I, I, if it floats your boat and if it works, cool. Do whatever you feel like will get you your person. Um, but leave it over there. Don't bring it near me. It's the law of attraction. And so there's different ways to do that. Magic you might is not journal. The law of attraction. But, you, but we're using the word magic as a kind of general umbrella term. I think we need to change how we look at it. I think we are so attached to the idea of magic being like hocus pocus and witches and all that, which possibly, yeah, it's connected to that historically. But I also think the idea of magic is just putting out there in the universe what you want and really focusing on it. And we have the power to create what we want and what we see and what we imagine. Let me make clear. You're the only one thinking this deep into this. Listen, I know I'm not alone. If you are listening out there and you connect, you are part of my your, my fellow witch community. <laughs> Help. Help. Me. At LGT Show. Hey, it's October 1st. I feel like we're getting in Halloween Why vibes. am I going through this? At LGT Show. Yeah. I know there's other people that believe this, and I do think it, it's a game changer when you could drop in um, in a way that is healthy for you and others. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. October 5th marks the year since Monica Roberts' passing. You might or might not know Monica. She is a legend. She was the founder of Transgriot, known for her reporting on transgender people and the community. Uh, she confirmed transgender homicides before anyone else, called local police departments, correcting misgender, uh, misgendering and writing the stories that kept the tally of trans murders year over year. And of course, her platform Transgriot was huge in doing that. And so we just want to honor her today as we hit that anniversary of her death and remember to continue her legacy. Oh, I love that. I, I mean, it's so sad the way 
that she passed, but I think the mark that she has and the legacy that she has is just so much more important. And so, yeah, we continue to always uplift her in every other way that we can. Yep, and you could continue to check out all of her work and the work of Transgriot at transgriot.blogspot.com. Uh, but that does it for our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And that does it for our show today and for the week. We appreciate you for hanging out with us all week. Dropping in. It means a lot. We are back next week, weekdays live here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday's show, among many things. We're going to be talking about beauty culture and how it's a public health issue, plus macroaggressions in queer youth of color. That's Monday. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. You can find our podcast on the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available. Just search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And I stick around for what's popping with DJ Alex D, who's in Palm Springs right now at the Dinah. Lots happening. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.